Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, today I have a guest and I want to tell you a little bit about her before we get started. Teresa McCloy is the creator and founder of The Real Life Process, as well as an author. Her first book, Do What Matters, Live from Rest, Not Rush, will release this fall. In the book, Teresa shares her authentic story of being a recovering workaholic and her journey through the loss of her son to drug addiction to a new way of truly living. Teresa's passion is to help others outline for themselves sustainable behaviors, rhythms, and routines so they can live from an internal place of rest. Teresa loves to travel. When she's not on the road speaking, coaching clients, recording her podcast, or training new facilitators, Teresa enjoys being on the fourth-generation family grain farm in central Illinois with Dale, her husband of 40 years, tending her wildflower garden or enjoying a great cup of coffee with a friend. I will say after this interview and getting to know Teresa a bit, I hope one day to be one of those friends enjoying a good cup of coffee together. There is so much good stuff that you will hear today, so let's get started. Here is my talk with Teresa McCloy. Hi, Teresa. I am very excited for our listeners to be able to meet you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It is great to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. Now, I always like to start by asking my guests how they became a bereaver, a parent bereaved of their child. So Mm -hmm. would you please share Eric with us and what happened? Sure. I'll be glad to. Um, so, uh, our son, Eric, um, passed away in 2017, uh, from an overdose of heroin. Mm Uh, so he did struggle with addiction, you know, just to give you a little history Uh of, uh, Eric, um, he was 30 years old when he passed away and, uh, Eric, we adopted Eric at five and a half months old and mm. both of our children, we have a daughter, uh, who is 26. And, um, so they were about 10 years apart, both adopted and Eric's struggle really didn't begin with addiction until he was about 21, 22. Mm. So, uh, that was kind of our journey with him for almost 10 years. Not mm. quite. Um, yeah, that's how Eric left us is through that struggle with addiction, which I know probably many of your listeners, that's been a story that's been a part of their journey as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, that story is just growing and growing. It's mm-hmm. just horrific. So mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm, I'm just really sorry to hear that about Eric. Mm-hmm. Now we have a similar journey in that after Becca died, I found myself journaling quite often that I felt like God was telling me I needed to stop trying to do and mm-hmm. to just be. I have that in my journal over and over again, <laughs> where God was telling me to just be, to learn how to rest and just be, because we're human mm-hmm. beings, mm-hmm. not human doers, but mm-hmm. but we do. So there was something that happened at Eric's funeral that mm-hmm. caused you to realize how important this is. What was that? Well, that's an interesting story in the fact that When Eric passed away, um, we had not seen Eric for a couple of months just because of some boundaries and some things that we had uh, decided to, you know, the best way for us to be in a loving relationship with him was to 
love from a place of being, not of mm-hmm. doing. And uh, for many parents of addicted children, that's a really hard thing to draw that boundary yes. line. And so uh, that was the space we were in when Eric passed away, he was actually living in a halfway kind of house. And we hadn't seen him for a couple of months and really hadn't talked to him a whole lot. But crazily enough, we were in a really good relationship with him. That's hard for me to describe, but um, he knew our boundaries and we knew Mm -hmm. his and we loved him and he loved us. Uh, So we had a really good relationship. But when he passed away, uh, we really debated back and forth. You know, are we going to have a open funeral or private funeral, private Mm -hmm. services? And we made the decision after my husband and I and our daughter at the time that she was probably, I don't know, 20, uh, just as a family came together and said, you know, what would be the most honoring of Eric and how can we tell his story well Mm -hmm. so that his life continues to live on? Mm -hmm. And we made the decision that we would have an open funeral and I didn't know at the time, as you're referring to the story, that it would be something for me that would be transformational because I don't know, over 600 and some people attended Mm. Eric's services from all walks of life in all places, right? From the addiction world to those that he'd done recovery with, because he had been in and out of recovery to, you know, our church family, to parents, to all of the things. But one of the things that touched me the most Mm -hmm. was some of my high school friends, I think that's probably what you're referring to and how they, they came back and I had been so busy doing for so many years (laughs) Uh that I missed that I had lost connection with some of Mm. them. Yes. And I realized, uh, kind of in that moment that part of my own recovery work, the Mm -hmm. work that I needed to do, was to realize that um, what I was doing was not as important as who I was being. And that really there was a story for me to learn uh, from Eric. And I think that is something for all of us that have lost children is, you know, what is, what is it I'm carrying forward? What am I going to carry forward from the story, from the story that is uniquely mine, different than any others, but that was part of it for me was that relationships mattered mm-hmm. and that yes. I had learned that through Eric, that I could only live in the moment. Yes. I couldn't live in tomorrow. Yes. I couldn't live in the past, which mm-hmm. I think with grief, many times oh, yeah. we get stuck in the past mm-hmm. or stuck at that moment in time. Yes. But what could I do differently going forward? And for me, it was really learning that relationships whether they were with high school friends or, mm-hmm. you know, date nights with my husband or making sure that uh, my daughter who was still with us on right, this earth right. was important, you know, just that shift for me of, wow, there are so many people here that are taking the time to be here for us. Mm. Do I take the time to be for others? Mm. And that takes a while to get to that point when you're in that it does like that deep abyss of grief. And I'm going to circle back to that. But you you kept saying the word story, and mm-hmm. I want to talk about a very special story that mm-hmm. is a book, The Velveteen mm-hmm. Rabbit. 
Mm-hmm. And that played a big part in kind of where you are now and what you're doing now. And I, The Velveteen Rabbit was like one of my all-time favorite <laughs> books growing up. I looked it up before we got on here. It was written in 1922. It was. I never realized it was that it's, old. I mean, it's it seemed like a brand new story, story to me I know. when I was a little kid. But actually, one of the few children's books I brought with us in the Hope Mobile. I mean, I had to go oh, through a wow. lifetime of stuff and get rid of it or store it somewhere. And uh, I have a handful of kids books with me. And that's one of the books I brought. So let's talk about this Velveteen Rabbit story. Now that came up at Eric's funeral, didn't it? It did. And so there's a story and I'll give the backstory and I talk about it in the book that's coming out this fall. But, um, The story is when Eric was in recovery. So we are on opposites end of the spectrum because I did not know the Velveteen Rabbit and I did not grow up with it. (laughs) So God just kind of dropped it in my lap now as a part of my life in a very deep way, because when Eric was at a treatment center uh, for recovery and it it was a faith uh, based treatment center, his counselor went to meet with him one day and was like, I just, I don't know how I'm going to get through to this kid. Like, I I just don't know what I'm supposed to talk with him about today. And truly God just spoke to him in the moment. I mean, he shared the story with me. He was walking over to meet with Eric and like, I don't know what today is supposed to be about. And God just was like, you need to share the story of the Velveteen rabbit. He didn't know the story either. And so he literally looked it up on YouTube and on YouTube, there is a video of Meryl Streep reading the Velveteen oh, Rabbit book. It's beautiful. It's done in her voice, which is mm. very pretty and it's beautiful. So he went into the counseling session with Eric and showed him that story and something in that story. And I don't know to this day exactly what really spoke to our son. It's actually where he had an amazing breakthrough and turnaround They had about a two to three hour session that day. Mm. Eric really was touched in a way of, you know, giving his life to Christ in kind of a renewed Mm. space. Eric had struggled with what he believed and all of these different things and, you know, been in worlds that I don't even want to go into. And anyway, that was a breakthrough. That was a real turning point for Mm. Eric. So then the second part of the story is right before he passed away, he was in treatment again. And I walked in to visit him one Thursday night on visiting night. And Eric was a really big kid, uh, six, two, six, three, great big strapping kid. And mm-hmm. he walked in and threw a book down on the floor beside him on the folding chair. And he said, mom, look what they gave me to read. It was the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, wow. Different uh-huh. treatment center, different counselor, mm. different place. Same story. Wow. Just blew me away. And I said, there must be something in that book God wants you to hear. Oh, my. And so at his funeral, Mm. (laughs) we had the first counselor who was also a pastor come back and preach Eric's funeral. And we shared the story of the Velveteen Rabbit because we felt like there was somebody there that needed to hear (laughs) the Uh phrase, once you are real, you will never be ugly again, except to people who don't understand. And that that phrase, say that again, I will. Once you are real, you'll never be ugly again, except to people that don't understand. That's huge. And we actually have that on Eric's gravestone, uh, Mm. that quote. And that was spoken by the horse, right? The rocking horse. Yeah. 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 He tells that to the rabbit um, because that's his desire is to be real. 
and to be understood and to be loved, which at the core of all of us, (laughs) yes, that's our desire. And that, you know, I always say Eric through his journey on this earth and away from this earth Mm -hmm. has taught me that because, you know, my own desires were, what could I do? What could I do? What could Mm -hmm. I do? How could I be um, affirmed? How could I be loved? All of those things, even at 60 years old, 56 years old, the striving, the doing. And Eric taught me through his life. It's about being real. Yes. (laughs) And it's about that journey to become real. And once you are real, um, that you'll never be ugly again. That's not how God sees us. Along that line, another quote from that book is once you are real, you can't become unreal again. Yes. Yes. It it lasts for always. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. I mean, there's just so many beautiful messages in that book. So I use that book throughout the book that I've written of quotes at the beginning of every chapter that are from the Velveteen Rabbit. And we actually end the book with the Velveteen kind of some principles and takeaways because there's just so much there that was my journey. And I think even, you know, as we look at it through the lens of grief, part of what holds us back sometimes in our grief Mm -hmm. is what if we're real? Yeah. It just seems so painful and scary, doesn't it? Yeah. You said something that I I just want to hang on for just a second. You said the things that Eric taught you when he was alive and that he's still teaching you. Absolutely. Even though he's gone. And it's very precious. And I think parents need to know that, that we still, our love never goes away. What they have left us never goes away and it grows. I mean, it's crazy, but our love continues to grow for our child, even though they're not here. And and we still learn things both from their death and from their life. Mm -hmm. I want to give one more quote from the Velveteen Rabbit that you share in your book too. It says, generally, by the time you are real, (laughs) most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in your joints and very shabby. Yes, I think that describes a lot of us in our career. Absolutely. <laughs> and I would, I, yeah, I love how you bring that out in that way, because that's the absolute truth mm. is that when you've walked the journey of the loss of a child, that's how you feel. Yes. And that is how you feel is like, it's like raw I, and real. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And you also, I would say, Laura, that's how you feel that you look to everyone else, oh, even yeah. though you don't. Oh, yes. You know, it's that uh, everyone Isn't it crazy? Must... You are just an absolute mess. And someone will say, oh, you're just so strong. I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> it's like, uh, what are you talking you're about? You're like, are you seeing the same person I'm seeing? <laughs> exactly. like, yeah. Or the, and I, I know we can talk real here because I know the people oh, that are yeah. on this podcast or listening to the mm-hmm. podcast uh, understand the journey. But I can remember saying to my family members at one point, probably a year or two in, Eric's been gone five years this fall is I remember saying to them, we have to talk about him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and we all have to have sometimes those discussions with those we love of like, to me, he's, he's not still alive in the flesh, but he's still Mm -hmm. alive and growing in my heart. And I'm still between laughter and our son was very funny. He was very clever. Mm He, you know, he nicknamed everybody, you know, he had these sweet (laughs) ways about him. Uh And yes, he had a 
difficult uh, end of life, but he had a beautiful thing that we remember. And so, you know, as most parents do, you, you laugh about things they did. Mm-hmm. You yes. laugh and and you cry at the same time. And if that stops being talked about yeah. <laughs> within a circle of trust. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's good. You know, if, if I can't say my son's name mm-hmm. at our family Christmas, like it doesn't feel complete because to me, he's there. Yes. Yes. So if we ignore, right, Mm -hmm. that they're there, like it feels like the elephant in the room, but if you can just bring them in and include them, like, oh, do you, cause Christmas was Eric's favorite holiday. So I have a Christmas tree that I put up that has all his ornaments on it. I'll probably always put it up, I think, but if I don't, that's okay. If I put it in a special place, you know, so bringing them along with you as your life continues to evolve, Mm -hmm. I think is so important as we walk the path of grief because that allows there to be space for there to be conversation and remembrance and memories and laughter and sometimes anger too. All the emotions are there. Yes. All of them are there and they all belong. Yeah. Oh, that's yes, they do. They do. Okay, my camera's not real good, but I'm over here crying too. So I've been wiping. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry that. Yeah, but you so know I, that this I'm is just the realness gonna, of it. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to ask you for just a second. I have to put this in here, and I don't know if Dave will edit it out or not. We'll figure it out. That you and I both love the Enneagram. We do. Are you a two? No, I'm actually a three. You are a three with a two wing. That's (laughs) that's why I struggle with the do what matters piece, right? Because even in Eric's story, and I know this is not true for everyone that's lost a child, but you know, I wanted to fix it. I wanted to make it better. So whether you're dealing with the loss of a child to illness or Mm -hmm. addiction or many things, like my personality wanted to go, I've got this, I can make it better. And part of it was my release. And in our experience, again, this is not across the board, but I grieve the loss of Eric before we lost him. Mm -hmm. And so if you are that person that's lost a child from addiction, that could be part of your journey as you begin to grieve the loss. Really drag it out. It is because it's the loss of them before you lose them because the child that you knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah before addiction is not the same child that you lose when they lose their life on this Mm -hmm. earth. So there was a very long grieving process, which, um, and I don't know how much you talk about this on the podcast, but can lead to almost a PTSD type triggered reactions. Um, so grief has triggers. Yes. And depending on your personality, as Mm -hmm. you said, you know, you brought up the Enneagram, there are things that can trigger us into that adaptive and healthy side of our behaviors as we walk through grief. For me, it would be, if I'm not careful, the behavior to just get really busy and do a lot of things, which is Mm -hmm. many people's reaction after the loss of a child. Like, I'm just going to stay super busy. Yep. Uh, it's doing. too painful to process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But every number on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that tool, mm-hmm. and some of your listeners may not be, but 
walk through grief in different adaptive behaviors. Yeah, and and um, I actually have been studying grief through the lens of the Enneagram oh, for a few years now. Awesome. And I teach it and I'm going to be writing Good a book for on you. it. Oh, you there should. is next to nothing out there for grief there in the Enneagram. So now that we have everybody's interest peaked, <laughs> if you don't know the Enneagram. Everybody <laughs> wait for the book because she's going to write it and that will be awesome. There's just nothing out there for mm-hmm. grief in the Enneagram. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've been teaching it for a while and, and the book's coming. So Good. So, yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll get your input on it. <laughs> yes. Yes. We'll have some conversations because it is very true depending on your personality. And just to give a little bit of context to that for people, most of us operate out of one of the centers of intelligence. Uh So either through thinking, through feeling, or through acting or reacting, Uh those are kind of the three centers of the Enneagram. And then it divides it down uh, into nine different types. But so if you're a thinker, you know, if you're a head type, you're going to really get stuck in your head in your, in your grief Mm -hmm. process. Yep. Yep. If you're a body type, the act or react, it could come out in anger. It Mm -hmm. could come out in isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and just noticing that and knowing that about yourself and being able to even say it out loud to another person that's in your circle of trust. Yes. When you see this in me, will you please you know, mm-hmm. have a conversation with me very gently, but yes, <laughs> yes. You know, will you please approach <laughs> right. me in love and yes. say, you know, and then the heart centers, the two, threes and fours. That would be um, me and you. Yep. We do it over, uh, in lots of different ways, usually by mm-hmm. doing something overgo. We mm-hmm. over love, we overdo, mm-hmm. uh, we over, uh, create or try to connect in that four space. So it is a very interesting tool. We could do a whole deep dive just on that. Um, maybe we'll come back and do a podcast on Enneagram and grief. Yes, uh, I, I, that's, that's my plan when, when that I, would yeah, be it's all going to be wrapped up in a package. So just good for you. Thank you for this. doing that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I will yeah. pray for you in that because oh, I do think it's a lens, uh, that could be very helpful in the grief process. Yeah. And I think that is one reason I will say that I, I believe that grief is a spiritual practice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that we'll be practicing it the rest of our life. We'll be For sure, walking yeah. in the discipline and the, the practice of grief mm-hmm. and everybody will experience grief in their lifetime. Yes. The loss of a child is a whole different Another kind of level. Grief. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But there's layers and mm-hmm. there's, yep, exactly. There's practicing, uh, and sometimes we're doing it well, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And other times we're mm-hmm. not. And, and sometimes doing it well means falling apart. Yes. That's uh-huh. what I mean. Like sometimes, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes we're, we're dealing with it all and sometimes yes. we're suppressing it mm-hmm. because yeah. we think, we think we should be better by now. You know, it's the exactly. expectation yes, piece. Exactly. And there is no being better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if other people around us aren't putting it on us, we put it on ourselves. Absolutely. Why aren't I better by now? It's the false belief that we tell ourselves. And, you know, as someone who's now at five years from loss, and I'm not sure if I know for sure how long ago um, that you lost uh, your yeah, child. Back, but uh, it'll be 11 years in October. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yep. No, it sure does not. Mm-mm. It I know, doesn't matter. I know people that have looked 30, 40 years and mm-hmm. yep, they're still grieving. So they're still practicing. They're yes. still walking in it, you know, um, 
they're still and triggers and mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, life is fulfilled and meaningful again, but it, it comes yes, back. yes, so, it yeah. does. Yeah. Well, now that we've gone off on this little rabbit trail, we did, we trailed, but <laughs> that's I okay. Think that's funny with the Velveteen rabbit. We just, <laughs> yes, we did a rabbit trail. trail. That's right. Yes, we did. So I want to come back to things about your book, but I, something that leads into that is one of the things that you started doing is called extraordinary moments. <laughs> I did. Um, and I want you to tell us about that. I sure will. So one of the practices I, I love spiritual practices and disciplines and bringing rhythms, routines, and behaviors into your life that can give that foundational peace. And about six months after Eric passed away, I realized that, I don't know, I was coming up on, I think my 57th or 58th birthday. And it was the season of Lent right before Easter. And I thought, you know, I just really need to continue in this process of grief by living into what is good about today? Yes. What is today's goodness? And it's one of the things I had to learn to kind of practice mm-hmm. while Eric was still uh, living and struggling with this addiction, because I am such a doer, get things done person uh, that as a forward moving energy type, even in the Enneagram, I can look right past what's right in front of me mm-hmm. that is wonderful and special and I'm thinking about tomorrow or six months yeah. from now or three months from now. So grief brings us very present. Yes. And does. so one of the practices I started doing every day was taking a picture of something on my phone or with another person or some experience I was having and just writing a little something about it. In the beginning, they were called ordinary to extraordinary moments. Mm-hmm. because I love the passage of scripture from Romans 12, one and two, the message version says, take your everyday ordinary, yeah, ordinary life, yes. your ordinary work. life, yes. your eating, yes. sleeping, walking around yep. life and place it before God as an offering. And when we've experienced deep grief, we're like, what do I have to offer now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially in the loss of a child that you're pouring into as a parent. Mm-hmm what now would I offer? Like, that's kind of the question we're with, right? Like, and how do I even get through an Mm -hmm. ordinary day? Exactly. Because every day feels so painful. Yes. And so I just started processing with that. And I just wrote day one, you Mm -hmm. know, ordinary to extraordinary. Now they're called extraordinary moments. It's been part of my spiritual journey to be able to go, no, this is what's extraordinary about today. This is the moment in time. It's actually become an evening exercise for me to look back on my day, you know, in in spiritual formation, we call it an examine, a daily examine, a daily review. How can I look back on my day? What today was the moment that God said, you're present right here with these Mm -hmm. people or with this moment or with this scenery, we live on a Mm -hmm. beautiful farm in the Midwest. And, you know, what is it that God has given you to capture about today? So I've now done that practice on my Facebook, on my personal page. If you want to be friends with me, feel free. Uh, 1,400. I was going to say it's 1,000. Yeah. (laughs) 1,438 days. I think today will be. Okay. And it's just become something for me that's like, and it is a part of how for me, I've created a place where again, Eric lives on. Yes. Because it started with the loss of him making me realize that 
every day. We don't know what today holds. We have no idea what today holds. And so I don't want to miss today what God has for me. The relationship, the moment. uh, I want to live from, as I talk about in the book, an internal place of rest, not Mm -hmm. a place of rushing past the beautiful flowers that are on the side of the road or Mm -hmm. the sunset that he has for me to see because we never know. Right. And so it ties me back. And I would just encourage listeners to say, what is something that I can have, whether it's journaling, whether it's pictures, whether it's, there's so many things you could do, painting, whatever. What Mm -hmm. is an expression that you can find? Mm -hmm. Yes. The work you're doing is yours, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, the work that you do Mm -hmm. is an expression and a continuation of your you know, your daughter's life. Right. So, yeah. Now I just had a really weird thought and it was so random that I'm going to believe it's a God. It's so weird. Okay. (laughs) When you were talking about being creative and expressing, and I thought, even if all you did was put your thumbprint on a page and draw it into something. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter, but there's something. Put a bunch something, of thumbprints into a flower. Yeah, a there's something so healing. A <laughs> yes, so healing though, because I think it's about being in the moment mm-hmm. for just a moment yes. every day. Because yes. one of the fears that I think we have as parents is forgetting. Yes, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. If if I forget, what if I forget? Yes. And, and we feel like there's no way I'll ever forget. But yet- as mm-hmm. you heal, as you continue. So for me, it's just a practice of remembering. And here's an interesting thing about the word remember. Re and member. They're two separate words. So, but it's the re-putting back together. Yes. Every yes. day for me of going, no, this is a part of my life story. I lost our, you know, we lost our son. This is a part of our life story. And I don't ever want to forget. It doesn't mean I can't move forward exactly. in health and healing, yes. but I want to remember, I want to reattach yes. my mm. story back together on a daily basis. And I need community to do that. Yes. I always think of the other childhood thing, Humpty Dumpty, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the friends uh-huh. came and helped put him back together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they were there trying to help him. And I always see that visual and, you know, so I have to do it community. I have to do my own work. Um, yeah, there's just so many parts of us remembering and carrying the story forward. Now I want to, I'm just going to read what you wrote. It was a couple days ago. It was day 1435. (laughs) So, because I loved it. And it said, tonight I reflected as I pulled flowers from one arrangement and made one that was Mm. fresh and new. How often we take something that we think is not worth repurposing and throw it out without asking what new thing can we see here? What new idea, what new use, what new perspective? I talk about perspective a lot. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. often I want to start all over with something new and fresh. It's exciting. It's fun. It's new. Many times if I would just pause for a short bit, a beautiful new thing is right in front of me. I'm just not seeing it yet. I need to pull out what's still living and create something fresh. It's hiding in there. I just might not be seeing it yet. I just think that's 
deep and profound and beautiful. But sometimes your posts are just something as simple as going on a drive and seeing some beautiful swans, right? Yeah. Sometimes I'm really reflective and other times I'm like, hey, this is what I did today. You know, yesterday, <laughs> uh-huh. I think my post was about speaking on the Enneagram actually to uh, a bank oh, yes, yes, of employees. Uh-huh. Yes. So it's not that it has to be, you know, for me, it's like, this is what God's giving me today. And this is what I'm going to share. And that was a profound moment for me. I was fixing dinner two nights ago. We were grilling out and I had been sent some flowers uh, for an occasion of our book release party that we had a month or so ago, or excuse me, a week or so ago. And, you know, they were starting to die just like Mm -hmm. flowers do. But yet there's always those two or three lingering flowers, right? That are in there. And you're like, Oh, I don't want to throw them out. And I, all these flowers were, I mean, you can go to my post and see it, but they were all just laying there on the table, but they were beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then I thought, no, I can take this and this and this. And I had actually had a conversation with uh, a woman that day in a coaching session. And as she was, she was ready to throw out everything Mm. and start over again. And I was reflecting back on, you know, like we don't have to throw it all out. Like what, what are the wins? What are the victories? Yes. What are the things you've seen in the past 30, 60, 90 days that, that you could save and savor and yes. move forward? And even when we think about it in the terms of the loss of our child, that perspective yes. of it's over, like that's done. Mm-hmm. And yet seeing that, no, there's right. still flowers yes. that are yet to bloom from our children's stories. Yes. Oh, so true. So true. Mm. Oh, well, I could just talk to you all day. I know we can, (laughs) we can, we can do a thing. (laughs) We'll do a thing sometime. I see it coming. I see it coming, Teresa. Oh, so much fun, friend. Yeah. Well, let's start wrapping this up. We do have something else in common. We share the same publisher with my When Tragedy Strikes book and your Do What Matters book. We are both authors for Morgan James Publishing. And so even after Eric's death, you believe that every ordinary day, like you were talking about, has that extraordinary extraordinary moment. I always want to call it extraordinary. I know. I do too, but yeah. Extraordinary. We just have to look for them. And so part a lot of that is in your book. But Mm -hmm. can you tell us about your book? It's called Do What Matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about it. So Do What Matters is really my journey. Uh, the first part of the book talks about Eric's story and the loss of Eric. And also it talks about my daughter's story of learning to hold both joy and sorrow at the same mm-hmm. time. Yes. Um, our daughter was adopted from Romania and she, during the midst of losing Eric, she was finding her birth family in Romania. Mm. And we went to Romania and met them in the same uh, summer uh, that Eric was in and out of treatment. And the holding of both of those things is part of the beginning of the book. But then what happened and what birthed out of kind of our loss of Eric, uh, as I work as a, a life coach, is a process of like, so what does matter in my life? And so I developed kind of a framework and a coaching process that we now certify other people to use. It's not around grief. It's not around recovery. It's really about creating your rule of life. 
what does God have for you? What are the things that you're to focus on in your life on this earth so that you do the things that matter and you live internally from a place of rest, yes. not externally from a place of rush. Mm-hmm. Um, that was or the for work us that, from a place of grief. Right. Exactly. Thank from you. a place that, you know, what's the internal yes. place that you can live from. Yes. And so, uh, I had started this really back when Eric first began his struggles with addiction. I'm like, okay, God, I've got to learn to live differently. Like I am living my phrases with my hair on fire. Like Mm -hmm. I can't live this way. Um, and for me, it came out as the do more, do more, do more piece. And so for your listeners, as they walk in this land of, you know, grief processing, it's what am I trying to cover that up with? Mm-hmm. What are the behaviors yes. I'm trying to cover that up with? And uh, so that's the process that's in the book. Behind that process is a lot of spiritual practices, silence and solitude and examine and uh, retreats. I, I so believe in time away and time alone mm-hmm. uh, or with your spouse um, or family members or whatever, but just time of quiet. And so that's what's in the book and just wrapped up uh in our story and in my process as a coach and, uh, yeah, how I, how I want to live my life going forward. Yeah. So it's a lot about creating a framework around your day-to-day calendar so that each day matters Mm -hmm. and the end of each day becomes that extraordinary day, at least a Mm -hmm. moment, at least, Mm -hmm. even if you can have one moment each Mm -hmm. day that there was something extraordinary about that moment because I felt real. I felt grounded. I felt connected to the Lord. I felt connected to my child, whatever that, that Mm -hmm. moment is. And I, I did have the opportunity to read your book and I loved it. It was really good. Thank you friend. Oh, you're welcome. And um, thanks for letting me read it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there really are things in there to help us do that. And the best part is that you're one of us. So you know very much what it's like to be in that suffocating dark pit after the death of your son. And yet Mm -hmm. here you are giving hope to others that life can be good again while we wait to be reunited with our children. Absolutely. And if nothing else, just for this community, because it, it is my story. Um, if the book gives hope, yes, that's what matters. Very much so. So it is not easy after the death of our child, but it can be done. It can so, be. Yeah. If our listeners want to find out more about that or your book, Teresa, how can they connect with you? Well, right now we're in the season of launching the book. It actually officially comes out in paperback on November 1st. But it is available through Kindle already on Amazon or, you know, couldn't get it, Barnes and Noble, all your yeah, favorite all book locations, book places, yes. uh, which is the great thing about our publisher. But do what matters book.com is one place you can go if the book is something of interest to you. If you want to ca- connect more with just me or our work and the process, uh, the real life process.com is a place that you can connect kind of with the work that we do as well. So, and we spell real life with one L. So R E A L I F E real life process, leave out the two L's, just one or Google Google my name. You'll find me somewhere. (laughs) And we'll put links to those in the show notes. And if people want to follow you on Facebook, we've been talking about these extraordinary moments. Is it just your name? Yes, it is that because you'll want to connect with me personally or on Instagram too. I put the stories on both of those platforms, the daily posts. um, And 
The easiest places, yeah, just through my name. Okay, Teresa so. McCloy, and there's no H in Teresa. <laughs> no, there's not. So, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'll put a link to that to your Facebook page. Thank you, friend. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Teresa, do you have any just a final thought you might want to share with us? I I think it's just that hope message that you and I both share is that life is not the same after the loss of our children. It never will be because it's a part of our story. Yes, but life can be rich. Life can be full. Yes. And still has deep purpose and meaning and maybe even more yes. deep purpose and meaning than it did before. It's a story uh, and it's a part of ours. And so it is beautiful to be with people that share that story. Uh, so mm -hmm. thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for being with us, Teresa. I've just really enjoyed our time together. It was wonderful. Me too. That was so good. I have a feeling several of you are going to want to connect with Teresa in some way, and I hope a lot of you get her book, Do What Matters. I'll put a link in the show notes to that video of Marilyn Streep reading The Velveteen Rabbit, and for those of you who are thinking about getting yourself a copy of the book, The Velveteen Rabbit, I'll also put a link in the show notes to the version of the book I have, which has beautiful illustrations that I keep with me in the Hope Mobile. We all feel like we have been stripped down to pretty much nothing after our child leaves this earth. I hope this conversation has helped you to realize that life can be good again, not in spite of our child's death, but because of his or her life. You can have extraordinary moments in each day if you want to take the time to find them, and I hope you do. I want to share with you a great way to be able to come to a place of rest within your grief, and that is to join Dave and I on a seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise on the brand new ship, Wonder of the Seas with Royal Caribbean. I had the blessing of going on a cruise just a few weeks after Becca died, and it was one of the best things I could have done. I had no responsibilities of any kind making it so much easier to start the difficult job of working through my grief. Since the beginning of GPS Hope, I have asked God to make a way to get other bereavers on a cruise, and that prayer has been answered. Last December, Dave and I joined up with what's called the Grief Cruise, which combines all the great things about a cruise with a special grief seminar on the days we are out to sea, along with things like a candlelight walk together for our loved ones around the deck one night. It was awesome, so much so that we are doing it again a year from now in October of 2023. The Grief Cruise is for any deep loss, parent, spouse, sibling, best friend, and there are main sessions and workshops for everyone. And GPS Hope also has our own set of workshops for those who have lost a child. Now, I want to let you know the whole cruise ship isn't people grieving. It's just our group. We get to sit and eat together. We spend time together. We laugh together. It's, it's wonderful. I'm telling you, it is wonderful. There is nothing like it. A payment plan can be set up, helping with the financial side of things. I just can't say enough good things about this. So please, at least check it out. Dave and I would love to be able to spend a week with you in this way. Go to gpshope.org slash cruise. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. At the very least, go there and watch the video from last year's time together. 
I really hope to see you on that cruise with us. Let's go ahead and go on to our birthday segment for this week. Michael was born on September 22nd and left us at age 36. Brittany Evans was born on September 25th and left us at age 26. Cody Simmons was born on September 25th and left us at age 25. Bethany Patton was born on September 25th and left us at age 31. Kara McLeod was born on September 27th and left us at age 23. Cherie Martinez was born on September 28th and left us at age 31. Shay Thomas Patno was born on September 29th and left us at age 15. Giovanna Giannini was born on September 30th and left us at age 20. Alia Henderson was born on October 1st and left us at age 4. Corey Ryan Woodridge was born on October 1st and left us at age 31. We celebrate the day these children came into the world. It will forever be a special day for us and our families. If you would like to have your child's birthday shared with the other listeners, I would be honored to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that form, including the pronunciation, uh, if it's one that can get slaughtered, because I want to make sure I say it correctly, just submit it, and we will add your child to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. And Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen to that podcast that week so you don't miss it. In Teresa's book, Do What Matters, she shares something that I would like to close with. Thomas Merton was a fairly famous monk. Part of one of the prayers he is known for says, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Teresa says that just might be exactly where you are supposed to be. And this is often when we can become truly real, just like the Velveteen Rabbit. You are not alone on this difficult and unwanted journey. There are those of us who want to walk with you as you rebuild your life with hope, learning how to have meaning and purpose in your life again. Are you ready to do the work of becoming real? It takes courage, but it is so very worth it. Please be sure to share this podcast episode with those you know who would be encouraged by hearing Teresa. And as you continue this journey, as always, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.